You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. The Dining at Disney podcast. The Dining at Disney podcast. Your ultimate source about the wonderful world of dining at the Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resorts. If you are what you eat, then I only want to eat the good stuff. Kristen Hetzel Go and Jay Bratton are your guides on this culinary adventure. We'll prepare and serve with flair a culinary cabaret. Join them as they discuss the latest food news, expert tips, recommendations, and trip planning advice related to Disney food and dining. From quick service to fine dining, you will discover all the best restaurants and food as they hungrily explore the Disney parks. It brings folks together from all walks of life. The Dining at Disney podcast. And now, your host... Kristen Hetzel Go and Jay Bratton. Welcome to another episode of Dining at Disney Podcast. This is episode five. And the Dining at Disney Podcast is your ultimate source for the wonderful world of dining at Disneyland and Disney World. I'm with me. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as you can tell, I'm still jet lagged from being <laughs> seven hours ahead of time over in Europe. But anyways, I'm Kristen. With me is Jay, as that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> How are you doing today, Jay? I'm doing okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're in the same time zone as you have been for a while, right? Exactly. I'll tell you, being overseas for a little over two weeks, man, that just messes with your sense of time so much. I don't know. For some reason, it's easier for me to go there and, you know, go, okay, I'm going to skip a night of sleep and then get into their time zone. Whereas coming back, it always takes me, it seems like two weeks to really adjust to being back in Nashville. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I spent uh, five, oh, sorry, I was going to say I spent five weeks in Korea before, so I I know exactly what you're talking about. It's uh, 14 hours ahead over there, and uh, coming back to the United States is is quite an adjustment. Uh, Wow, yeah, because that's a big time difference. Yeah, definitely, but it was fun, it was worth it, though, so, and I know you had a pretty good time overall. (laughs) I did, and there there were some issues here and there, but... I got to see Belgium and in the Netherlands and it's, it's beautiful. And I will say uh, the food in Belgium is way better than you would think it would be. And the waffles and the mussels are better, way better than the ones that, that you get during the Epcot food and wine festival, best mussels I've ever had. They were so good, but enough about that. Let's get into the Disney food news, as we call our appetizers. And I'm going to start with a few things that have come out having to do with the Disney Cruise Line. They These, these all have to do, for those of you who are 21 and older, and enjoy your adult beverages. And one of them is going to be a wine tasting And these wines are going to include some old world wines from France, Italy, and Spain, as well as some new world wines from the United States, Argentina, Australia, and a few other regions. Uh, These wines are going to be a one-on-one with the head sommelier from Palo. So that's one thing that you can book. Another is going to be whiskey and cognacs. The whiskeys include those from 
Scotland. They're Irish, Canadian, and American whiskeys. And they'll show you how to properly drink these whiskeys and how to recognize its aromas and flavors. For those of you into cognac, you'll be trying a variety of those, in, which could include Cavassier, Hennessy, and Remy Martin. So those are just a few things that you can check out when it comes to that. And last but not least is going to be a martini and champagne tasting. The martini tasting is going to be a variety of gin or vodka based cocktails. They're going to go with some of those classics as well as some modern twists on ones like the Cosmo or the Apple Teeny. Then for champagne lovers, the champagne tasting is going to include ones from France and Italy, as well as some other ones around the world. You'll get to trial um, not just champagnes, but sparkling wines like Moet and Chandon Imperial. So those are just a few of the new things that are taking place on the Disney Cruise Line that you can enjoy if you're 21 and older. Okay. I need to interject here for a second. Go Disney. for it. What the <laughs> heck is going on? Where's the beer, man? It's all about the beer. Okay, <laughs> we need to have beer tasting too. Why are you neglecting the most delicious beverage available as far as alcoholic content is concerned? Oh my gosh. Please bring some beer tasting. That is what is no. needed. Please. <laughs> Now, most times when people think of beer in the U.S., we think of, you know, like Ireland, you know, because you got Guinness there. Think of German beers like Beck's, of course, American and Canadian beers. But and, and what's funny is, you know, we read these beers, especially American craft beers, and it'll say Belgian style. But you don't automatically think, and I don't even think most of us comprehend when we read Belgian style, you know, we're like, oh, okay, it's Belgian style, whatever. Instead of thinking of Belgian beers, what's quite impressive is coming back from Belgium is they have beer stores. They don't even mm. carry all the beers that, that you, the country makes, but they're these huge stores that all they sell is beer. In addition to the beer, you can pick up the, uh, Pilsner glasses, chalices, uh, pint glass, whatever the vessel is that that particular beer is supposed to be um, enjoyed in, they've got them for many of the beers. Like there's a whole, one of the stores I went into, whole wall of just glasses. Wow. And then, that's amazing. And, and part of it, I think, has to do with most of their beers. You, it, it, in Tennessee, you can't purchase a high-gravity beer um, in your normal, you know, wherever you would normally get beer. Those have to be purchased only at a wine shop. Now, is that true in California for you guys? Oh, no. That's, you can get it anywhere. Um, the only difference, I guess, is uh, when you order a beer at a restaurant and it's a higher alcohol content, something around 85 9% and above, then basically what they do is they serve it in a smaller container. Um, you know, the other ones like a Budweiser or whatever, a Shock Top, something like that, 
again, the huge, uh, you know, 20 ounce or 24 ounce mugs, uh, or even the, you know, the big, you know, pint, you know, liter glasses or whatever, or uh, double liters or whatever. Anyways, um, but uh, when it comes to the higher alcohol ones, they come in and look like a goblet or, you know, like a chalice or something like that, like a smaller chalice. So, um, yeah, that that's, but as far as like buying them from the liquor store and or uh, grocery store, it, they don't really make a, they don't uh, say, oh, you know, well, you have to buy it specifically at this particular location. But I remember when I was in Kentucky and, and uh, uh, the areas in the, in the Midwest, I remember that they were very strict about, you know, discerning, you know, what is going to be sold at a particular store. You know, like you can't get uh, certain beers above a certain alcohol content unless you go to another specialty store or something like that. Yeah. And... But they've got so many beers that are at those those hours. Uh, and I was amazed at how many. And they're good beers, too. So one thing is, is it's that, you know, it's a tiny country. Belgium's not very big. But they have more than 3,000 breweries. Wow. That's amazing. So for beer drinkers, you could go... And probably you could easily go and have two, three beers a day, different beers each day, and in two years, still not drink all of the beers that Belgium has to offer. Uh-huh. So it was that it's that sounds was one like of the my, cool things. <laughs> yeah, sounds like my home away from home. <laughs> oh, all I did was drink beer. I was like, why am I going to spend just as much money on a bottle of water as I can for beer? Right. So I drink beer. And of course, the beer is better than the wine there because they're not known for being a wine growing region. So, right, right. Cool. But I agree with you. It would be nice to see Disney do more beer tastings uh, during Epcot Food and Wine Festival. They do those, but not, you don't hear about them any other time. So, I second that. I think that you should do more of them. Speaking of uh, alcohol, uh, is uh, I know that uh, I saw a story online about the uh, Dockside Margaritas being open in downtown Disney. Yes. Yes, they are now open. And it's a going to be a tropical colored margarita stand. And it sits waterfront, so you can enjoy music there about 2.30 to 10.30 p.m. on Sundays through Thursday. And then from 12.30 to 10.30 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. So it's going to be a really nice place to kind of sit back, relax, people watch, and enjoy a nice margarita. Some of the margaritas being of, uh, that are available is going to be a habanero lime margarita. And I can tell you that one has my name on it. And I have to try that as soon as possible. <laughs> it is Patron Silver Tequila Habanero Lime Fresh Lime Juice and Florida Sugar Cane Simple Syrup. That one, I'm like, I'm there. That's my type of margarita. I like the, the sweet and the spicy together. So I'm looking forward go. to that. There's also a sunset margarita, which is going to be a, a little bit more on the sweet side. So you've got um, Casa uh, Casamingo. Res- I'm horrible. Res- res- I can't talk. Reposado <laughs> <laughs> okay. tequila, Cointreau, fresh lime juice, sweet and sour, and orange juice. If margaritas aren't your thing you can get the florida citrus freeze which is florida cane orlando orange vodka and peach schnapps blended with orange puree Hmm. so 
They have that in yeah. a few beers for the beer lovers. You can get the Orange Blossom Pilsner, Bold City Duke's Brown Ale, and Cigar City uh, IPA. So yeah. that's amazing. You, you know, actually, I, I was looking at and when I first um, heard about this uh, opening of Dockside Margaritas. I was like, well, hopefully it's not going to be like the Rita's, uh, Mar- uh, Rita's Baja Blenders at uh, DCA because uh, <laughs> that, that place is a bit disappointing, honestly. I mean, it, uh, you know, they, I, it, it felt like uh, when they opened it, it was sort of trying to cater like, oh, it's an adult beverage, but they uh wanted they they basically made it sans alcohol for for a lot of them and they were like well okay you can add alcohol to it but i was like no you know that's kind of the essential element of a margarita is you know the the alcohol you know that's what makes it you know the way it is and so when they opened that up i was a little bit disappointed and then when i saw this i was like oh man this is going to be another place like that but then i saw it and i was like no 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 this is actually legit i mean this is this they actually the uh, rita's margaritas or rita's i'm sorry i call it rita's margaritas it's actually rita's baja blenders at uh, dca is um you know needs to kind of uh take a page from uh, this place's book and and uh, start uh, emulating what they're doing over there if I remember right, those are the kind that come from the frozen machines, right? Yeah, basically they're slushies for the most part. I mean, yeah. you know, they really don't have, um, you know, a, a large selection of, of um, drinks and the drinks that they do have, a, you know, really kind of unimaginative. I mean, they have a, a lemon lime margarita, uh, strawberry one, um, uh and then they they do have the uh, actually the, you know I'm just looking at their um, I'm looking at their menu right now and it, there's basically the lemon lime margarita or the tropic cool strawberry and that's it and then you you know one you can you know and then you can add alcohol which is the Rita's Grand Margarita which is uh, uh, has a splash of liqueur in it and uh, whatever so yeah definitely this this uh, dockside margaritas is is the place to be when it comes to margaritas from what it seems and i will say i'm really excited to see this open um over in epcot there's two excellent places to get margaritas one of them mm-hmm. is always busy and during food and wine you can't go up to the bar and stand there it is the to-go line because the wow. place is always packed there's there's Unless you get there when they open at noon, you're pretty much going to have to wait. It's a small little place. It's called La Cava del Tequila. And I love that little bar. You know, they've got <laughs> nice margaritas. Um, they have they have the best Sangrita that I have ever had. And it's really the only reason I ever do a tequila shot there is because I want the Sangrita. <laughs> um <laughs> And then also owned by the same company is the Waterfront Restaurant in Epcot, uh, La Hacienda de San Angel, which is open for dinner. And they have fantastic margaritas there as well. So I'm, I'm excited to see this. I think, I think it's going to be a very popular place to grab drinks from. And if that wasn't enough alcohol for you? another alcohol related story hey we got a we got a recurring theme going on here today (laughs) oh i know well it's not just alcohol though it's you know there is some food right there right 
Yes, there is. It, that is the Swan and Dolphin Food and Wine Classic. This is one of my favorite events that takes place during Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. When that goes on, other resorts that are on Disney property, um, such as Waldorf Astoria, um, and it's... Uh, sister hotel next to it, Hilton Bonnet Creek. They do some things on the weekends as well as Swan and Dolphin. One weekend only, they do what they call their food and wine classic. And for those of you that have been to Disney World, you know there's a nice space between the dolphin and the swan. There's a little walkway there. Well, they use that whole walkway set up with little booths. And there's more than 40 of them that... Um, feature food and wine. I mean, it's along that causeway. It's amazing. It has featured wineries. There's also beer. Um, typically, it's one beer table. And then they have um, food from all of their restaurants. So if you're a fan of Todd English's Blue Zoo or you like uh, um, Il Molino, all of those places have something set up. And it's good stuff. It's not like, and it's a good sized portion. Um, Garden Grove, two years in a row. And the menus are different both on Friday and Saturday night, except for Shula's typically keeps the same steak menu, which it's awesome. So it's a good thing that whichever night you go, or if you're going both nights, you get, you can get that steak. But they had this nice piece. I would say it was maybe, Mm, almost an inch thick and about maybe three by three of cod and served with chips that had um, had a vinegar seasoning to them. Oh my gosh, it was so good. And everything, you can watch them making the food. Oh, wow. Which is That's even a, cooler. Yeah, definitely. It's like uh, dinner theater. <laughs> right? Yeah. Todd English is there. So it's one of the, if, if you're a fan of his, you can walk up and get your picture with him. Uh, if you have one of his cookbooks, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to walk up and, you know, tell him you're a fan and you would love his autograph on your cookbook. Uh, he's, he's a really nice guy. I interviewed him last year during this event and uh, he's, it's was a lot of fun to interview him because he's, truly passionate and loves food and i think that's always nice to see in a chef who's been cooking for a long time you know many of us do something we love and after a while you kind of get burnt out a little bit at some point and maybe lose a little bit of that 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 passion and intensity for it but yeah you hear him talk about food and you the the look on his face the way he talks about it is is really nice but the event the tickets are available. Uh, the price is one hundred five per person. This is unlimited tasting of food and wine. So you can, if there's one thing you like so much, go back and get it over and over again. And if you don't like it, don't feel bad about taking that one bite and then throwing it away. If you want to do the beer garden, which has tons of beer, they also um, they feature craft beers as well as Oktoberfest inspired food. So if you love German food 
add that to your ticket for another $20, making it $125 per person uh, for that. Uh, I do have the link online for purchasing those as well as the phone number um, and as well as it includes links to the mixology, uh, modern mixology and beer please seminars that I attended in the past as well as reviews of the previous events. You can see all the yummy, yummy food photos there, which will make it even harder for you to, to go, I think I'm going to pass. I think you look at it here and go, ooh, I have to try that. And last but not least, for Walt Disney World, I've got that the Boathouse is now open. So downtown Disney, waterfront dining. It's got um, it's it's located in the the area that's going to be referred to as the Landing at Disney Springs, and uh, it's got a decor from like the the 30s, 40s, and 50s. It seats a good bit of people. There's 600. 400 are indoor and 200 outside. So that's a substantial amount of outdoor seating. Um, yeah, I a saw nice it. outside view. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, I wrote a story about this, um, you know, the, the preview. And one of the things that people were, uh, I wouldn't say up in arms about, but they definitely it opened their eyes about this restaurant is that uh, $115 steak. I was like, what? $115? Bucks? Really? Oh, my gosh. But it looks good. It looks amazing. I mean, at least from the pictures that I've, I've seen online. Um, I don't know. Have you, have you gotten any uh, feedback from people who've been there yet? I have not, and I actually have uh, messaged uh, Tony over at um, Disney by the Numbers, as well as Raphael from DeMouse, because both of them are local and both of them love food. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find out if either of them have been, and if they have, I'm I'm going to be asking for a brief review of what they've tried so far. And that, that steak that you're talking about, the, the tomahawk long bone rib chop. Mm -hmm. uh, have you ever had one of those? Uh, no, I've, I've seen it. Um, in fact, uh, down the street from, from where I live, there's a, a, a restaurant that features something similar to this, but they only charge a hundred dollars. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Now, see, I got to sample one of these types of steaks at Waldorf Astoria. Oh, my gosh. It's the and, and I'm a picky steak eater. I it's got to be cooked just right. If it's overcooked, I don't want anything to do with it. I will pass it off. Um, and this was absolutely amazing. I could have eaten the, the whole thing. But again, it was sampling of their dishes right. um, at Bull and Bear. And that that was nice. <laughs> I really yeah. enjoyed it. Well, it prices, is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. The prices are a little, you know, they're going to be on the higher end. Um, more like what you're going to expect at one of Disney signature dining restaurants. So. Um, but this is, is this. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, is this actually classified as a signature dining place, though? Do you know what? I have not looked yet, but I would assume it it's going to be listed there after looking at, at the prices. Hmm. Um, and I am not aware yet if it takes the Disney dining plan. I haven't 
Um, I haven't looked at that yet. As I, I said, mean, I, I've been out of the country, so I'm still sure. <laughs> trying Just to adjust. And, oh, I was like, of all times to be out of the country for over two weeks, I'm looking and I'm like, <laughs> food news after food, news after food news. I'm like, I have a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. But yeah, the, I, the menu looks uh, amazing. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Uh, you know, I'm me, I'm not so much a, a steak person, uh, per se. Uh, but, you know, I don't mind a good steak here and there. Uh, but what I'm really uh, looking at, um, you know, for my own, uh, you know, my own personal, you know, I guess, love for seafood is that um, the beach and sea lobster bake is like, wow, really? <laughs> like, that looks that looks pretty freaking awesome. Um, yeah, it does. Because we don't, we you know, over here in California, we don't really do the the bake per se. Um, you know, they they do. I know you guys have that a lot there uh, on the East Coast, but um, really here, it just you know, seafood is seafood. You know, we don't try to you know throw it all together and put corn and, and things like that. So when I see something like that, it's really impressive and and it's something that makes my mouth water. I'm like, yeah, I want to I want to try all that. So. Yeah, it's a very, very New England, New England thing. And it's fu- it's fun to do that. Um, I've done a, like a shrimp boil and you throw the corn in and all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, you know, with a little bit of Old Bay seasoning. And right. it's it's fun for parties. You know, if you get a group of friends get together and you're like, hey, you bring shrimp, you bring this. I've got this. And, you know, everybody gets together. You drink and eat and just have fun so let's see what else is on the menu they do have a raw raw bar so if you're into uh oysters on the half shell uh you like see wild caught baja cocktail shrimp i must say the laughing bird shrimp ceviche is like right up my alley that sounds Mm -hmm. really good yeah definitely I, any but of I the like seafood the- items right up my alley. <laughs> so, and there's so much seafood. I know there is. And that's all. Uh, I, I did see that they have a half, half rotisserie Amish chicken mm-hmm. for somebody who is not, um, not a seafood person. Right. Uh, there's a Gibson sandwich King burger hop champion. So that sounds like that's going to be one of those like monster size hamburgers so they do have you know a few things if you're not a seafood eater but it really does i mean looking at the menu focus on on that seafood so sounds awesome for dessert of course you have to have dessert and i like that they've got key lime pie in a jar i'm like that's (laughs) that's a cool way to serve that um and a s'mores baked alaska for four yeah, that's that's got to be a pretty, pretty big dessert. So, yes, very impressive. Yummy looking, yummy sounding, mouthwatering menu. And I'm I'm working on figuring out how I can get down there just to eat there. So <laughs> there you go. And uh, that, if anybody. Uh, oh, oh no, sorry. No, it's OK. Go ahead. Uh, finish your sentence because I was going to kind of conclude with if uh, people want to take a look at the menu or whatever. But go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say that is all of the Disney Cruise Line and Disney World food news that I have. And oh, okay. a lot of this will be up online on our, our site. So, as yeah. always, we do put that in the show notes. 
Definitely. And uh, actually, the, the link um, that we'll put in the show notes, you can um, look at our story, maybe. And uh, that way, uh, or we'll have both the, the Disney Parks um, link and also the story from uh, from what I wrote. Uh, that way, you can take a look at the entire menu listing with all the prices and everything like that. Uh, apparently, the for a while, I, I haven't checked the website lately, but apparently the, the menu was not showing on the Walt Disney World website. Uh, but apparent, uh, but on the um, what is it? The my my Disney Experience app or something like that. Is that what it's called? My Disney Experience. Yeah. I don't know. We don't have, we don't have it out here in California. So, <laughs> anyways, the, that that uh, app apparently they had the menu listing there. So uh, we went, I went down the uh, the entire list and, and um, you know threw it on the uh, on the website. So you can take a look at it if you're interested in dining there. Which you know I think it'd be maybe worthwhile. And yes, it it does cost a little extra money, but hey, you know sometimes you got to splurge, right? <laughs> yes, every then every now and then you have to. There you go. So okay, the, so I know you've got all kinds of Disneyland news too. Oh yeah! In case people haven't noticed, in the background here we have Mr. Olaf. Yes, I want uh-huh. him. <laughs> yes, we have Mr. Olaf. He is here. I got him, and this actually um, it was surprising. Uh, my wife and I went this uh, past Wednesday to Disneyland. And we scoured the entire resort. Uh, my wife knew this was coming out, and she wanted it. And so uh, we uh, we had lunch there, and uh, we went to Cafe Orleans, and then we checked out all the different lands. And, and uh, at each of the locations, uh, we were seeing, you know, where, you know, hey, do they have the Olaf zipper? Um, nowhere in Disneyland. And then we went over, went over to DCA. Initially, we went, uh, you know, around to the various Paradise Pier and, and um, you know, other parts of the park. And I told my wife, it was kind of late afternoon and it was before dinner. And I was like, you know what, I want to check out, you know, just to see how things are going at the frozen section near Hollywood Studios. She's like, oh, okay, that's fine. So we walked by Award Wieners and I was like, oh, there it is. There it is. Let's get it. <laughs> you know, so we saw it and then we got it. Nine ninety nine. You know, it's not too bad. Not not too bad of a no, deal. No, not at all. The drink and um, also just a just inside tip for people who don't want to you know mess up their their uh, drink containers here. You can actually ask for the drink to put be put in a cup on the side, and so then that way they don't fill Mr. Olaf or whatever the sipper is that you have um, with the beverage, and so keeps it nice and clean. That's um, a good idea. Yeah, definitely. But um, apparently what uh, the cast member told me at Award Wieners was that they had just got the shipment that day and that no other other location had the sipper. By now, I don't know if they uh, have, you know, distributed to other locations around the resort. Hopefully they have. Um, But, you know, worst case scenario, if you go to Disneyland in the next few days or whatever from the time that you see this podcast, you should definitely check out Award Wieners and and, uh, see if they still have any more in stock. But 
you know, of course, as soon as word got out that these sippers were were out and about, then uh, you know, kind of the the whole Facebook, the whole social media, you know, the 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 whole uh, universe kind of exploded. Like, oh, this, you know, Olaf sippers and stuff like that. So I'm not sure if they're getting uh, additional stock or if it's just kind of going to be a limited time thing. Because I know um, from the Disney Parks blog that they had indicated uh, Disney World wasn't going to get them till May 22nd, which is like almost another month over a month away so that's uh that's quite surprising actually i have a feeling it's because that's when they're gonna kick off the frozen summer fun again and they're uh, waiting okay. to have them till then but one thing you guys do have is the cinderella popcorn bucket which we don't have at disneyland still which is a total really? bummer. I mean, yeah i mean the movie came out last month right and uh, we looked everywhere for around the entire resort firm and i know that you guys are you have been selling them for quite a while over at disney world so i'm like well why why aren't you selling them here and they didn't they none of the cast members had an answer for me so uh, you know i'm not sure what's going on with that but uh, hopefully we'll get them sometime soon i mean they they've made promises that it will come you know but yeah, I mean, that's kinda, what was in the article. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, huh. you know, when is it coming? And I, I'm assuming they're not going to wait until the release, you know, for, for May 22nd when, you know, they kick off the uh, Disneyland Diamond uh, 60th anniversary celebration because they're going to have all kinds of, you know, merchandise available, other popcorn buckets and other sippers uh, and stuff like that. So why would you you know, release it at the same time as all the other things. So I'm not sure what's going on. And I just, uh, hopefully it comes, you know, sometime soon. Yeah. That would be a shame if they held off till then. Yeah, exactly. But eh, whatever. Um, speaking of DCA, since, uh, we're on the topic, uh, we discussed that uh, Smoke Smoke Jumpers Grill had uh, just opened up, and I believe we said it just opened up, right? Or did we say it was going to open up? Eh, regardless, uh, we do have <laughs> it all starts to run together after a while. Yeah, it? exactly. It's, uh, all these uh, all these news items, you know, with the with, you know all this stuff coming out. Uh, regardless, uh, we do have a person, uh, Michelle Murray, uh, that uh, uh, helps us here uh, on uh, Dining at Disney dot com website and stuff. Uh, and she actually had a first-hand uh, encounter with the restaurant. And I saw it for myself, by the way. So it's, it's a fun place to be. Um, but uh, she was able to try the food. And you can uh, read the review of the, the entire thing. And I guess the, the best way to summarize her experience is, yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a burger. And she said that, you know, the cheese slice was a bit small. Uh, I saw the bacon. It was thinly cut. I mean, I'm talking like, you look at it and you just, you can read a newspaper through that sucker, you know? And so it was very, very thin piece of bacon, which is uh, whatever. At least it, it provided some bacon flavor. And then uh, uh, I did see the toppings bar in person, and it, it looks quite impressive, actually. It looks better than, than they had at uh, Taste Pilot's Grill. Uh, it just seems like there's more selections available, and at least the time that I went, the, uh, the toppings were really fresh. I, I'm talking about it was bountiful. Uh, it was very clean. You know, the stations were clean. Um, the ingredients looked fresh. You know, it wasn't, you know, I, I remember at Taste Pilot's Grill, I went there one time, and I was like, I saw the tomato 
was like, eh, I don't know about that. I kind of felt a little bit sketchy about, you know, putting tomatoes in my burger, looking at them. Uh, but this time around, I mean, they look very healthy and plump. And, you know, so I, I think that uh, they may be paying attention more to quality control this time around. Um, so hopefully that's the case. And, and uh, I know it's be hard when it comes to tomatoes if they're out of season for them to look right the way True. you want them to. They start looking a little. Uh, California, it's tomatoes are season you know all season round. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that doesn't mean Disney's getting California tomatoes either. Uh, that's true. That's, that's true. <laughs> Anyway, so last thing I have uh, to speak about um, for all us people with moms, which is pretty much the entire population, uh, <laughs> this uh, May is uh, going to be Mother's Day, obviously, May 10th, I believe. Let me double check that. I'm a bad son. Sorry, Mom. Anyways, yeah, <laughs> I, I believe it is May 10th, right? Uh, let me, I'm looking at the calendar. Sorry, folks. Uh uh, yep, May 10th. I was right. So there you go. Uh, anyhow, so, yeah, there you go. So, uh, yeah, May 10th, um, they're going to have a specialty menu items. Uh, Carnation Cafe is going to have a teriyaki honey grilled salmon with a spinach orzo. Uh, Jolly Holiday, actually, uh, Jolly Holiday. Uh, the Fiddler, Pfeiffer, Practical Cafe, and the Pacific Wharf Cafe uh, are all having this uh, red velvet cupcake, which looks interesting. It's going to come with um, a white chocolate mousse frosting, white chocolate flour, uh, the heart and garnish with uh, strawberry chocolate curls, which I thought was really, really cool. If you look at it, I mean... I don't know if this was like a concept that they visualized for Valentine's Day and just said, oh, well, we didn't get out in time, so let's just, you know, do it for Mother's Day. But uh, eh, anyways, it, it looks cute. It kind of made me think Valentine's Day, too, when I saw it. Right, right, exactly. Uh, and then um, over at uh, uh, Bengal Barbecue, which I was uh, surprised because they, they almost never do any specialty menu items, but they're going to have a jambalaya skewer. So, I, I, you know, I may not be celebrating, you know, Mother's Day with my mother at, uh, you know, at, at Disneyland, but I'll definitely get that jambalaya skewer for sure. And, <laughs> that sounds uh, good. Yeah, it does, actually. Uh, then Blue Bayou Restaurant, they have a crayfish and herb-crusted roasted sea bass uh, with an angel hair, angel hair pasta. Uh, and then at Carthay Circle Restaurant, uh, if you're in the mood for brunch, they have a uh, Carthay Benedict, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's, um, it, it's two poached eggs served uh, on these uh, filet, med, uh, filet medallions, uh, cornbread, and black beans. And then it's going to be dressed with a uh, poblano chili hollandaise sauce, which if you look at, I mean, it's very Southwestern style in terms yeah. of the, the ingredients. So, and, and it seems like it might be a little spicy. So I, I'm not sure if this is just something that they concocted, you know, for some other occasion and they're just kind of throwing it out there as this specialty item for Mother's Day or what. But I don't know. It just doesn't seem like very motherly per personally. It sounds more like a Father's Day. Yeah, exactly. Like I, exactly. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm, I kind of expected mm -hmm. to have lobster when it said Mother's Day. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, something more comfort food, uh, something creamy, something sweet, maybe. Um, but you know, this this kind of uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, I, I'm I'm kind of with you in the the uh, Father's Day uh, um, classification there. But uh, also, and in, in if you are going to be celebrating Mother's Day at Disneyland, and Mom likes Disneyland, just you know, like a lot of people, um, they are going to have a uh, special brunch. Uh, buffet brunch at, uh, let's see, the uh, Storytellers Cafe at Disney's PCH Grill, which is at the uh, Paradise uh, Pier Hotel, and then Goofy's Kitchen, uh, which is the Disneyland Hotel. And Storytellers, by the way, is in Grand Californian, in case people didn't know. Um, but I'm not sure. One of the things they, they didn't elaborate on was, you know, what type of specialty uh, dishes they may have for, for that buffet. Uh, I know they do like an Easter buffet. They do Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff like that. So I'm not sure if it's all the same uh, or if, you know, there's some kind of variations in there. One of these days I, I'm going to spend the extra money to go <laughs> one of these buffet brunches. But it just at this point, I haven't really kind of felt compelled to, to do that. But uh, anyways, regardless, it should be a fun time. The only place I've had brunch was at um, Goofy's Kitchen. That was a few years ago. But I really liked it. I thought the food was pretty good. And there was quite a wide variety. And if you're looking to meet characters, there was tons of them. Way more than any restaurant at at Disney World has at one time. Because I want to say we saw Chip, Dale, Goofy, Jasmine... Who else do we see? We saw like two or three other characters while we were there. And I was like, that's a lot of characters to see. At, at one character breakfast or brunch. Yeah, from what I understand, uh, Goofy's Kitchen actually has the most characters of any of the uh, the places, uh, even for breakfast. But, uh, I mean, I don't know firsthand. I did go to Goofy's Kitchen before, and there were quite a few characters. And, in fact, I, I, I guess I could concur with that assessment that there were more characters at that uh, breakfast than there were at uh, the other places. I have not been to Disney's PCH Grill yet, um, but I have been to Storytellers Cafe and been to the Minis. Um, and uh, you know, it seems like uh, Goofy's Kitchen. They were. It was not only a lot of characters, but they came in in sort of rapid succession. You know, it was it, so you were ne- you were constantly entertained by characters coming by your your you know place. So if you have kids yeah. or if you're a kid at heart like us, <laughs> then uh, you definitely. Uh, <laughs> find a lot of um you know special uh characters there at uh, at breakfast that can um make your day to to start so that's it uh that's all that's news oh, and that's, that's actually quite a, oh sorry wasn't there um some 60th anniversary like food and drinks that were announced Aha, yes i skipped that there is going to be lots of special 60th anniversary things coming out um at this point the 60th anniversary announcements have primarily focused on these uh drinks and you know when i first heard about this and and i read the the news article i was like oh man look at all these new beverages that they're offering but it's uh you know kind of like variations on the same theme you know the they're all frozen lemonades it's just some with different flavorings um I know at the uh, the Troubadour Tavern, uh, which is in Fantasyland, they are going to have a cherry, uh, they call it Enchanted Cherry Apple uh, Frozen Lemonade. And then 
at the Jolly Holiday Bakery Cafe, they're going to have a frozen pomegranate silver. Uh, well, they call it the frozen pomegranate silver sparkler. Um, but, I, you know, it doesn't say what that is. But I, I, my my gut feeling is that it's probably like a pomegranate frozen lemonade, <laughs> you know, just based on the other the other uh, uh, drinks. I was going to say it sounds like a of that right right and then uh um, over at critter country at the hungry bear restaurant they're going to have a honey bee frozen lemonade and uh that one is um that sounds good yeah that it's going to be mixed with uh oh no it doesn't say what it's made of but oh who knows maybe it'll be a honey flavored lemonade with strawberry or something i don't know but, I could uh, just see it be be honey, like a honey flavored lemonade. Because when you think about it, when you're when you're sick and your throat hurts, you know, mom. Mm-hmm. At least my mom and grandmother did. Then you have hot tea with lemon and honey. So right, it would right. make sense that they would just put those two together. That'd be pretty good. Yeah, I love I that agree. place. That's one of my favorite quick service locations at Disney. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I I agree with you on that. Uh, and then continuing with our little frozen lemonade uh, parade here, we've got uh, the Wild Raspberry Rapids Frozen Lemonade, which is uh, not in any of the parks. It's actually at the Whitewater Snacks location um, in Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and Spa. Uh, and then finally, uh, at DCA, they have a Lucky Fortune Tea, which they say it's a mixture of, of tea, mango, and red passion fruit. It doesn't specify what type of tea, but I read uh, somewhere else that actually the, the it is going to be a green tea, and that should be pretty fun. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to trying that one myself personally. I'm not into the slushies so much, but, you know, for that, I mean, unless it has alcohol, then I'm into the slushies. But uh, <laughs> when it comes to, you know, like just, you know, flavored beverages and slushies and stuff like that, eh, you know, my wife likes them more than I do. But, you know, I'm, I'm always down to try them. I'll, uh, I'll try anything once, but I'm not I'm not a slushy person either. I feel that it's so much ice that it waters down the flavor. So, like, if I'm getting a margarita... Unless it's one that I really, really like, I will never like, and it only comes frozen. I never get anything frozen. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then um, uh, as far as food is concerned, uh, not too much is announced at this point. The only thing that they're featuring, uh, or at least with this particular news release, is that uh, they're going to have two specialty cupcakes. Now, I thought it was interesting that they're trying to theme the food according to the park. And so I don't know if this is going to be something that's going to be continuous uh, for, you know, the subsequent, uh, you know, specialty foods uh, available at the park or not. But I thought this was, uh, you know, it is only a minor difference. Basically, here's the deal is that Jolly Holiday Bakery Cafe is going to have a lemon cupcake and it's it's supposed to symbolize a Victorian area a Victorian era theme of Main Street. Then uh, at DCA, they're going to symbolize the 1930s theme of Buena Vista Street with an orange cupcake. 
So I, you know, I don't know how much you know about California history, but you know, during the 1930s, one of the things, or even even in the 1920s, one of the things that uh, people sent as a uh, like a like a like a high end gift was like a crate or oranges from California. I mean, that was like one of these luxury items that uh, they didn't have on the East Coast. Uh, well, not not Florida. Florida obviously had oranges, but like New York and stuff like that. I don't know. They it seemed like California oranges were like supposedly a symbol of like you know prosperity and things like that and and that's one of the things that i guess they're trying to represent here uh with uh you know this cupcake but yeah whether whether that's uh, yeah the lemons too too. yeah lemons were very popular but that was even earlier than then than that point i mean victorian area you're talking about you know turn of the century uh you know late 19th century uh, early 20th century era yeah I did not know that, so I got a little bit of California history. There you go. Which is good so because it. that explains that explains the the use of the ingredients. Which I'm sure, unless you're from California and took California history, probably wouldn't know that. So right. Well, it's just because because of the popularity of Hollywood. You know, movies really became a. Uh, um, popular medium uh during the 1920s and you know people recognize hollywood is like the capital of of you know all the the films and so that's the reason why like they wanted a piece of california so to speak and and oranges were representative of that and florida you know i know you know oranges have been around a long time in florida but it just you know hollywood florida was people didn't know hollywood florida they knew hollywood california you know so anyways Regardless. What's interesting is Hollywood, Florida, still don't be everything. And <laughs> unlike, <laughs> unlike, unlike Disney, which is, I think it's so interesting that both parks are in Orange County. Mm-hmm. That just always is interesting to me. Yeah. So, I have to wonder if that was planned. I don't know. Well, because the, the original uh, intent uh, was Walt was going to open it in uh, L.A. near the Walt Disney Studios. Um, but uh, I, he couldn't get enough land and he couldn't get the approval from the city council. So that's the reason why that they looked elsewhere. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I think that um, from what I recollect, uh, they chose uh, Anaheim because of its location and proximity to the freeway. And, you know, land was a lot cheaper back then. Uh, and it's still within, you know, a reasonable driving distance to the Walt Disney Studios. Um, but yeah. you know, for a full history on that, there's some you know tons of books out there that people can can check out. So <laughs> anyhow, but uh, yeah, on to our feature story, our main dish, right? I am ready. Let's do it. So what do we got today? Well, we actually had a, uh, a friend of ours uh, named Mark L. He wrote in. And he asked a, a lot of really great questions, actually. Um, he sent an email uh, with three primary uh, focal points here. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of break them down one by one, and uh, then we'll just answer them as, as, we, uh, you know, as, we, as we progress here. Uh, single, you know, single file, I guess, if you will. I don't know. We'll just do one at a time. I guess my, my thing as I'm stumbling over my words here, I'm just saying let's take it one at a time because I don't want to answer, you know, like ask all three questions and then confuse people like, oh, wait, what was the second question again? So oh, yeah. anyways, yeah. So here's the first question. Um, what is the ideal theme park for food for you? Uh, meaning, do you need quick service grab-and-go meals or sit-down being served meals? 
perhaps a combination of both. Uh, do a fancier restaurant, do fancier restaurants belong in theme parks? If so, why or why not? So uh, that's the first question. What do you, let's, let's get, uh, I'd like to know your answer first, Kristen. Okay. My ideal theme park food depends on my mood and my need for that day. Some days I'm, you know, it, it's, it's a day that I want to get a lot done in the park. You know, like, okay, I need to, I, I'm in the, in the need to get my attraction fixed. And so I must, you know, hit this, 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 and this. In that case, then I'm going to look for a quick service meal that I can can get that's good. And then I can get on to go do the next thing. Now, more often than not, I'm a sit down kind of person. I like to sit, talk, which I do a lot of, um, <laughs> eat and drink. So I can easily I can easily spend two to three hours at a table service restaurant and not even notice it. Um, but when I eat, I do also order a drink. I'm not at a table service restaurant. I'm usually I'm going to have beer. I'm going to have wine. I'm going to have a cocktail. Maybe I'll have one or two along with my my food. And so it's to me that conversation and food and drink all go go hand in hand. Um, and as far as fancier restaurants, like I said, I like to I like to just kind of relax. It's it's a time for me to like get off my feet and chit chat with whoever I'm with because when you're in the parks and you're riding attractions, you're not really you can't sit in a theater and have a conversation while watching Aladdin or Finding Nemo, one of those kinds of things. You can't talk. People around you aren't going to like you very much if you do. Right. Um, <laughs> and when you're riding a Tower of Terror or a Space Mountain, you're not really talking either. So that's the time of day that you, you do those things. And a fancier restaurant, whether it be like um, Carthay Circle or Hollywood Brown Derby, any of those kinds of places, it gives you a little bit more of the ability to to relax and take that breath and not feel rushed at all. Because those places do have a higher-end menu. You are going to be looking at those times, even if you're not somebody who likes to normally sits down and drinks with the meal, those places you're much more likely to, to go, well, I'm having this steak, so I'm going to have, you know, a beer or glass of red wine with it. And I'm going to have a dessert. And that gives you that kind of thing. And, and normally when you book those, you're not going to find an awful lot of kids because parents, you know, really are more in a hurry when you have little kids. They don't want to sit there and and relax. They they want to go see, you know, they're in a hurry. They need to go see Belle or they need to go see Mickey or Minnie or, or something like that. So you're not going to many times unless you have one of those kids that's a little bit more on the unusual side. You know, it, it kind of gives the adults a, a, a break, I think. So I say, yes, they belong there. Of course, not as many because you do need more family friendly type restaurants. So, OK, that's cool. mine. What do you think? Uh, my ideal theme park food. You know, I my 
it's this is such a this such a difficult topic you know it's such a because there's so many so many um choices out there and and i guess it's i'm like you in regards to uh, you know it depends on my mood you know i some days i i feel like you know i just want to kind of grab and go something uh, you know dole whip or whatever just to kind of have a little snack just to get by you know place to place or whatever uh but then there's other times that i you know i want to sit down relax uh, cafe arlene's for example uh, my wife and i went there this past wednesday um but you know i mean is there really an ideal theme park food i i i mean if i had to choose any place that would be idyllic it would be i guess jolly holiday really um you know the the quality of the food is is really great uh, the the you know it's it's um an, a restaurant that that's themed really well and uh the surface is fast um and you know you, you get a you get a large selection of items so i guess that that would be the the restaurant um so i i i don't know if it's the food per se um but it's actually you know the the restaurant if i had to choose a restaurant that's ideal uh for a theme park then that that would be it um as far as the uh, sit down, uh, let's see, combination of both. Well, you know, that kind of answers the question. It is a combination of both. Now, do fancier restaurants belong in theme parks? I would say absolutely yes. Uh, Disneyland, uh, one of the places in Disneyland that really stands out to me is the Blue Bayou Restaurant. It, what, it's one of those restaurants that really makes Disneyland special. Uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're sitting on the edge of a streaming water, uh, you know, ride and seeing people uh, going through the attraction. You have just an outstanding atmosphere, outstanding service. The food is really good. So, you know, I mean, that that to me is, uh, you know, definitely something that exemplifies of why a theme, you know, why a fancy restaurant belongs in a theme park. I mean, it just that that's like you, you can't get a better example than that. So uh, the second question is, is how important are themed meals in relation to the land in which the restaurant is located in terms of the overall experience? Uh, for example, how does French Creole food help sell the illusion that you're in New Orleans Square? And should there only be that type of food in that land? Kristen, you want to answer that first? Wow, that's, that's, wow. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think as it relates to Walt Disney World, because it encompasses so much more, um, as, you know, having four parks. Right. Um and even those parks pretty much do the same thing. You go to Disney's Animal Kingdom, and in Asia, you have Yak and Yeti. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's something that's kind of out of place there. Um, Tusker House, same thing, African-inspired food. Um, and I do like that they do that. Um, I think if it's quick service, it can be... It doesn't have to necessarily just be that because you do then again have families. And, you know, when I've gone with with my best friend and her son, you know, he's your typical kid. He's not into, ooh, let me have jambalaya. <laughs> you know? He's like, I want a hot dog. I want I want pizza and I don't want unique pizza. Like I want cheese and pepperoni on my pizza, you know? Um 
So I think having, and we've been known to, with him, stop and pick up um, in Epcot. We would go over to one of the other pavilions, get him something that was to his liking, take it with us, and her and I eat a meal that we wanted at the sit-down restaurant, which fit the theme, and to where he could sit there and enjoy his hamburger and french fries or chicken tenders and fries. And that way it suited everybody. Um, but I think in general, yeah, it makes sense to, to have that. I mean, when you go to New Orleans, what do you, and, and you're not from there, what kind of food are you looking for? You're looking for Cajun. You're looking for Creole. You're looking for food that that location eats. Even when you travel to another country, when you're going to Italy, yeah, of course they're going to have some Chinese food and things like that. But you're looking for that traditional native food to that country, that region, even that city. And so it makes sense for those to be that way. And I like it. It's, it's you know, if I'm walking around there, chances are, you know, you kind of have in your mind um, earlier in the day, like, hey, you know, I think I'm craving Mexican. And so you're going to go to an area, you're going to kind of, let's eat here this afternoon and plan your your route through the park kind of around that mentality, unless you're a complete, anything works for me and I don't really, you know. I can eat anything, and so I don't need to plan it that way. Whatever's in that particular land, I'm I'm good for. Cool. What do you think? You know, I I actually think it is kind of important to have a themed uh, food that's relational to land. Like, for example, I, I think we discussed this uh, the last episode about the the churros and how or not churros. Um, yeah, it was churros, right? They they. No, no, turkey legs, right? They it was tur- the move, moving of the turkey legs at yeah. Walt Disney World because they moved them from Frontier, um, Frontierland and Square over to Tomorrowland. Right, So I right. guess, yeah, I guess even with, with snacks, we were both saying that, yeah, they, bo- they have a place where they belong. Right, right, exactly. So here's the thing. I mean... <sighs> You know, with with uh, and I'll I'll just use churros as my example. Uh, you know, turkey legs are a good example as well. But you know, when when I eat a churro in Tomorrowland, it just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel as special as eating a churro in Frontierland, uh, or even along Main Street. I mean, a churro in Main Street, you know, it, it's it's nice as well. But I don't know, something about eating a churro in Tomorrowland just doesn't feel right. You know, I mean, yeah, sure, it gets the job done if you're in the mood for a churro, but it just it doesn't have that same special feeling. Um, as far as, uh, you know, like, does it, um, is should there only be that type of food in the land? I, I guess yes and no. I, it, you have to make the food unique to the land in order to help enhance the uh, the illusion. I guess I mean just kind of re you know re reuse the same word here. Uh, reinforce I guess the the illusion that that you're in a particular place. Um, you know if I don't know a chimichanga eating a chimichanga in in New Orleans Square just I don't know just doesn't really doesn't feel right you know it's just one of those things that you know it kind of helps to enhance your 
enhance the ambiance, you know, enhance the atmosphere and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that it should be not necessarily one type of food, you know, because as you pointed out with kids, I mean, you know, it's, they want a cheese pizza or, or a hot dog, you know, or a hamburger or whatever. And, and that's fine and, and well, but you know, the thing is that, you know, the part of the reasons of, uh, you know, making each land distinct is, you know, the, the food in my opinion. So, yeah, that's the thing. Um, I, I, I would say yes, that, you know, there should be only that type of food in that particular land. The only Last land, uh-huh. the only land I can think of that doesn't have a particular style of food is Tomorrowland. Right, right. And if you look at both Walt Disney World and Disneyland offer more traditional American style food. It is hamburgers and hot dogs uh, chicken nuggets, pizza. It's that kind of maybe neutral food. Maybe yeah, just very, yeah. Uh, yeah, just basic, I guess, ba- you know, basic American uh, fast food, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's Red Rockets, Pizza Port, and Tomorrowland in, in the Disneyland, and, and then uh, Tomorrowland Terrace, which basically has burgers and uh, chicken. They did have a fish uh, sandwich uh, for a while, and I, I actually kind of like that sandwich. The only issue with that sandwich was the fact that it was on a very cold bun, and uh, it's it a little bit stale. So, uh, but I mean, as far as the flavors were concerned, it was it was pretty good. And and um, you know, I I don't know. I I guess that was their attempt at being daring, but you know, they've removed it since that point. It just they brought back a grilled chicken sandwich, which eh, whatever. So. And uh, see, at Disney World, there is a Tomorrowland Terrace, which is hasn't been in regular use in many years. But mm-hmm. when it was, it was hamburgers, hot dogs, and chicken tenders. And then the other location is uh, the lunching pad, and its specialty is hot dogs. And then the other place is, um, is it Annie Gravity's, and they have smoothies and cold coffee drinks. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, very, you know, simple American dishes. So Yeah. Cool. Uh, last question. Uh, he says, what would you like to see Disney do in terms of newer type of dishes or restaurants? Oh, boy. Oh. I mean, there's so much, you know, but I think we should kind of limit it to like two sentences or three sentences because I'm sure we could elaborate on this forever. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say when it comes to Disney World, I would like to see the quick service restaurants offer more unique items like Disneyland does. Your quick service restaurants have more variety. It's not so much the hamburgers and hot dogs, pizza, and chicken. Whereas a lot of the restaurants at, at Disney have done that. And some of the locations are, are more like a seasonal thing. And they've gone from having a great unique menu to it's got chicken tenders and fries. And I do like that about Disneyland and would really like to see Disney World do the same. As far as restaurants, since they have closed the backlot um, back tour, in mm-hmm. Disney's Hollywood Studios, which is right outside of Pixar Place, I would like to see them open a Ratatouille French-style restaurant. So, 
Cool. That's mine. You know, I for me, I mean, as you pointed out, I mean, Disneyland is pretty unique in, in you know in terms of the quick service restaurants, uh, and so I don't really have a whole lot to complain about. However, I have noticed recently that they're they're sort of homogenizing a lot of the quick service restaurants. So I don't know. Hopefully, that's not a trend that's going to continue, and that they can you know kind of keep the uh, unique dishes that are available at, at all the different places. Um, but uh, one thing I, I did notice in, in which I hope is a, is a trend to continue for the uh, table service restaurants and, and the, well, we don't have signature dining per se, but you know, at the, the higher end restaurants or whatever is that they're becoming a little more uh, daring with their menu. Uh, for example, I, I wrote a, um, a story um about uh, was it uh, last week actually uh, about Steakhouse 55 and their new menu and one of the the dishes that stood out to me was they had a smoked filet mignon tartare which I was like wait do you, do you have tartare really I mean you know wrong <laughs> like I was I was actually flabbergasted when I when I first saw that and I was like oh I told my wife I was like as soon as I saw that uh, news release I was like oh we got to go there as soon as possible uh, and we did try it, and it's it's really good. Uh, and and I was just you know that like actually stunned me that they would be so um, adventurous with with uh, you know their their uh, offering. Uh, also, another thing that they had was the uh, broiled Kumamoto oysters. Um, they had the the ratatouille meatballs, which is you know made with uh, you know it's it's vegetarian, vegan friendly. And so I was really uh, surprised that, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of going out of the box uh, of, you know, or, or getting out of their comfort zone, I guess, if you will, uh, from, from the traditional steakhouse menu that they had there for so many years. Uh, so I'm hoping that, you know, other places like Blue Bayou uh, will, will take note. Um, Blue Bayou actually did uh, introduce a, a rack of lamb, I believe it was. Um, if I, I don't have the menu in front of me, but uh, I think they had like a, a, a lamb dish, uh, which was something fairly new, and, and I thought that was really great. And then... Um, uh, you know, to, you know, Napa Rose is constantly, you know, changing their menu. So, I mean, you know, it's always seasonal and Andrew Sutton just like, eh, whatever, I'm going to do whatever I want, you know? So, he, you know, Napa Rose, you never have to worry about as far as the, the cutting edge is concerned, but, uh, you know, I'm hoping that sort of, uh, uh, disseminates among the other restaurants and, you know, they continue that trend. So that's my answer. Yeah. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Napa Rose and what Andrew Sutton does. His, his menus are spot on, so yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, the okay. other thing I happen to think of one, one more, one more restaurant-related thing. Okay. I am hoping with because I'm sure you've heard them rumors of uh, Star Wars land coming to Disney's Hollywood Studios, All and right. if it happens, I want them to turn the Backlot Express into the Cantina. So there's my last bit. You know, I I agree with you. Except my only thing is, I hope that they they do it for Tomorrowland Terrace because, you know, Tomorrowland. Let's face it, it just it's too hard to keep up with Tomorrowland, and it just to me it seems like ideal ideal location. I mean, they already have little Star Wars uh, shows there with the kids, you know, doing their their little you know lightsaber you know training Jedi training academy or whatever. So you know, just go all the way and just turn that into you know the cantina as well at Disneyland. So 
That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, I'd also would. like to see more Marvel stuff going on at, at your park since we can't have that out this way. Right, right. Cool. So. Okay, let's talk about our dining tips. So on to dessert. What is your big tip? Oh, just a real simple tip, actually. Uh, you know, I uh, as you know, the summer months are, are coming up here. Uh, the temperatures are going to get get hot, and I mean, you know, maybe not as bad as Orlando, but uh, it does get pretty hot here. And once in a while, even gets around the hundred degree mark. Uh, and when it does, you definitely want to have some water. Uh, the the thing is, is that. Um, you know, the, you can get, you know, they do have the drinking fountains uh, around the parks, but uh, I don't know if I trust those. You know, it's one of those kind of, you don't know who's been there. And I, I just w- would rather be a little safer with my own water bottle. Uh, I mean, of course, and in, in if for some reason you forget your water bottle, uh, there is uh, uh, definitely, um, you know, a, a, a secondary source, which you can go to the Disneyland restaurants, uh, you know, even the quick service establishments, and you can ask them for a cup of water and they won't charge you. So, you know, it, bring a water bottle if possible. Uh, if not, then, then um, you know, you can uh, definitely uh, check around the, the restaurants and, and uh, get a cup of water. And I, if, if you can avoid the, the drinking fountains, I would say that's a, that's a good, good thing to do. <laughs> I don't even remember the last time I used a drinking fountain. I will not. They're, they're, they're gross. Right. They're like, seriously, it's, they're, <laughs> it's one of those things that, you know, you, you watch, uh, one of those things on, on TV and it tells you like these are the dirtiest places like in a hotel room. Yeah. Right. One of the most like germ contaminated place is a drinking fountain. So I refuse to use them, but I always do the same thing. I walk, I, I, I bring a bottle of water with me. Cause Florida's mm-hmm. water is, eh, tastes like what you would expect toilet water to taste like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It, the water is just gross. But well, l- most of the restaurants, their filtered water through their soda machines tastes normal. And so you can get a cup of that. Um, and even if it has a slightly funny taste, it's not like other location. Like if you were to get it from like the bathroom or your hotel room or whatever. But um, a lot of people take those little like, um, what's it called? Mio or you know, get Starbucks via and right, add right. that to the water. And then you can't taste that unusual flavor to it. Also, just a, just a little a thing, a note about the water at the restaurants at Disneyland. Normally, uh, you know, some of the tap water in California is a little suspect and tastes a little funky, like you said about the, the water in Orlando. But Disneyland actually has their own uh, filtration system and their own reservoir and stuff like that of, of water. So they, they go through a little stricter process than, than the, you know, city of Anaheim or, or uh, the county of Orange, in, in fact, uh, with their with their water quality so you can rest assured when you get the water at disneyland it's actually really good high-grade water i've never had a problem with it i didn't even realize that like outside of the parks that it might Mm -hmm. taste a little funny right (laughs) yeah yeah i can i can say it definitely tastes good because i always get cups of water when i'm there i don't even bother bringing oh you know buying bottled water and taking it with me i just get cups of water so there you go but I do have one little last non-water-related dining tip, and that is that you should get tickets to the Swan and Dolphin Food and Wine Classic 
if you're going to be in Orlando and that takes place the very last weekend of October, it's going to be on a Friday and Saturday and it's, it's well worth the money. If you enjoy going to the Epcot food and wine festival, then if you're going to be there, you should get tickets to this as well. So, okay. That's all I've got. Awesome. So Jay, where can everybody find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at MagicalFoodTour.com. Uh, no, no, not MagicalFoodTour.com, just MagicalFoodTour, of course. Uh, and then also MagicalFoodTour.com online. Uh, Facebook, MagicalFoodTour, Pinterest, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then also, uh, if you like to hear about stuff going on at Disneyland, uh, try the uh, Diz Geek podcast. Uh, you can find that disgeek.com and uh, you can follow Daniel at, uh, at Diz Geek podcast on Twitter. Great. As far as dining at Disney, you can check out our blog, diningatdisney.com and read all about the food news that Jay and I talk about in the podcast and then some. As well as you can follow Dining at Disney on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. All of that is Dining at Disney. Uh, YouTube, if you're watching this, uh, the stream live, you know it is the Dining at Disney on YouTube. Uh, you can also pick up the Dining at Disney uh, ebooks. They're available directly from the website. Um, and don't forget, subscribe, you know, download our podcast. Uh, don't just watch it on YouTube, but uh, uh, take it with you where you can listen anytime you want. So. Yeah. Download the YouTube video or download the the uh, the, the episode on iTunes, and uh, if if so, uh, please uh, leave us a review. We appreciate it. Uh, five stars, of course. No, it's kidding. Uh, you know, leave us a review. Uh, five, <laughs> no, five yes, stars you're not be, kidding. We, <laughs> we yeah, want five stars. stars. Would, okay, yeah, no, five stars would be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you leave less than that, or if you're unsatisfied with the show, then you know, email us and and uh, we'll we'll see if we can make it better. We're still learning. Yes. And how do you email us? You can email us at podcast at diningandisney.com. We also have a phone line that you can leave us questions. And that phone number is 614-992-DADP, which is 3237. So I guess that's all. Yeah. Good to go. Oh, and I forgot to give a shout out to our um, our network, which is Weeby Geeks Network. They host us, so shout out to them. And until next time, I'm Kristen. With me is Jay and Bon Appetit. Looking to take a Disney vacation or cruise? Contact Kristen of MagicalJourneysVacations.com. Magical Journeys is an authorized Disney vacation planner. Kristen will get you the best price available and continue to search for deals until the day you travel, taking the worry out of planning your fantastic vacation. Kristen can help plan your dining reservations and answer any questions you may have. She'll even send you maps from the parks. So contact Kristen of Magical Journeys for your next cruise or Disney vacation. You'll be supporting WDW Tiki Room. Contact Kristen of Magical Journeys at MagicalJourneysVacations.com. And mention Sorcerer Radio. So what are you waiting for? Book today at MagicalJourneysVacations.com. Wow, that sounds great. I want to go. Well, 
Rebels. We have to stay at our posts and keep rebel scum like him out. Book today at MagicalJourneysVacations.com.